I have felt for a long time that people in the personal growth space, and I've said this for years, we should be the last people sitting out the process of trying to make the world a better place. Because if you know what changes one heart, you're the one who knows what would change the world. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Everyone, we are in for an incredible treat today. We have candidate for U.S. Presidency 2024, entrepreneur, author, activist, spiritual thought leader, Marianne Williamson. It's such a pleasure to have you. For those of you who want to explore more, I just want to start with giving you a clear link on where you can find out more information about Marianne, which is Marianne2024.com. Make sure to check that out. We'll put the link in the description as well. But if you're not already familiar with this legend in personal growth and now making an actual difference in the political and world sphere, she's currently running for Democratic nomination for 2024. She has been involved in politics and really championing this energy of love. And it's by no coincidence that she's here on the Selling with Love podcast, because bringing this idea of love in politics, we're maybe having a few struggles with our politics, maybe not seeing it representing exactly what we want. And we see maybe some dysfunction. No, I don't know why it's not happening. <laughs> well, one of the things I find fascinating is you're actually doing something about it. I mean, I've been around personal growth, Marianne, for long enough to see a lot of people talk about complain about, but you're actually doing. So how did you end up crossing the bridge from personal growth? Like what got you called into doing not an easy feat? You decided to go into politics, which most people are avoiding like the plague. What's the motivation here? In order to change the world, we have to address issues both external and internal. If you only address issues on the external plane, then you're not dealing with root cause, you're only dealing with symptoms. So we know that just tweaking things on the outside is not going to fundamentally change the world. But if we only address our own internal issues, but ignore the child who is hungry, or people who are needlessly suffering, or a planet that is at risk, we are practicing a kind of faux spirituality. There's no religious or spiritual tradition that gives any of us a pass on addressing the suffering of other sentient beings. Now, it's interesting in terms of your topic and selling with love, because economics without love is part of how we got to the terrible place that we're in. So to me, selling with love, you know, that's about economics. And economics is absolutely essential. So when we talk about these things as though here's spirituality, here's personal growth, here's economics, here's politics, as though those things are all separate, we're not simply taking a holistic, integrative look at what's happening in the world. And only if we take that integrative look and realize how every area, whether it's political, whether it's sales, whether it's personal growth, is a microcosm of the larger drama that is happening. So I think all of us are responsible for all of it. Yeah. Well, I've heard a quote. I'm not sure exactly the origin of this, but it seems like the political system of every nation is as close to a personification of a collective consciousness. Would you agree with a statement like that? Well, I think everything 
that is <laughs> happening in a country is an expression of its collective consciousness, not just its economics. All that politics is is our collective behavior. So it's either if something is not right, if something is not conscious, if something is not ethical, if something is not moral, it means one of two things. Either we conspired to perpetrate that policy or we conspired by not participating. You know, the ethical issue becomes if something is going on and you know it's not right and you don't participate in a solution, then what does that say about you? You're a silent conspirator. And I think for people who are personal growth types to use, oh, politics is toxic as an excuse for not helping, I think we need to call each other on that. I have felt for a long time that people in the personal growth space, and I've said this for years, we should be the last people sitting out the process of trying to make the world a better place. Because if you know what changes one heart, you're the one who knows what would change the world. I think a lot of people have found over the last few decades that personal growth is an area where a lot of money can be made. Now, that's not all bad. You know, you sell some books, classes. You know, I've certainly been fortunate. I celebrate the blessing that that can be my life and the life of others. But a conscious person doesn't want to feel that you create wealth at the expense of other people having a chance to. You know, we want to ask ourselves, particularly if you make money, what is righteous profit? What is righteous commerce? Now, I feel fortunate because I've made my living as a writer. And so I have seen up close and had my life blessed by a win-win economic system. Everybody puts in energy and takes out energy. The writer and the publisher and the consumer. So it's kind of a beautiful thing. Everybody wins. But then you look at how the major industrial corporate powers of the world work today, certainly in the United States. And it's not the stockholders win, the consumer wins, the worker wins, the community wins. That's what it should be. But what we have acquiesced to over the last 50 years is the stockholder wins, the CEO class wins, at the expense too often of the worker, of the community, of the earth, of the environment, and even of the consumer, as in carcinogens in our food, as in toxins in our air, as in, you name it, guns on our street, lack of health care, when it should be the opposite. It should be that economics, like everything else, should be an expression of love. It should be an expression of ethics. And there is this false belief that if you create public policy, including economic policy, in a way that your primary concern is to help people thrive, that somehow this will be bad for your economy. When we really have to take a stand, it's the opposite. Anything that helps people thrive stimulates your economy. Because money, as we know, particularly from a personal growth space, comes from our own creativity, our own productivity. I want to go to work today. I got a great idea. I got a book to write. I got a course to teach. I'm going to do it. That makes money. Help people thrive. When people are like, oh, how am I going to pay for my health care? And then they're working at jobs that they hate because it's the only place where they can get the benefits. This depresses your economy because it depresses people.
So this is one of the areas where I think a deeper understanding of these things on the level of personal growth is an important contribution that we have to make to the larger economic and political questions. And it breaks my heart to see people sitting that out. It also breaks my heart when people who are from the world that I come from, namely this space, think that somehow I've left it behind to go do a political thing. Nothing could be further from the truth. I've taken what I've learned for 40 years and said, you know, we got to apply this to the world. Yeah, I immensely respect you for making that decision because I speak to everyone in this space. And, you know, I've been involved with many organizations that speaks to the biggest authors out there. And the majority of them are so afraid to even speak their stance because it would affect their email list or their followers or their revenue stream. And to me, that's like an ultimate test of where do you put your priorities? And it's very convenient to speak about issues when it actually supports your own personal interests. But when it gets uncomfortable, it seems like all of them turn silent. And then you came up and you called it out. And I'm just wondering, like, what is your, what is your take on the most people that is just going silent and what would be the message to give? Well, there's the larger conceptual level and then there's the personal level. On the larger conceptual level, that's the downside of capitalism. That's the down, that means they got to you. As my father would say, don't let the bastards get to you. That's what happens when you, you let the bastards get to you and you're willing to sell, basically, sell out your soul, sell out your contents for the sake of, you know, making that dollar. I think it's, uh, it, it sort of breaks my heart to see that ethical rot infuse that field. On a personal level, it's been kind of devastating some of the people who haven't returned my phone calls this year. I didn't know how many of my friendships were based on my being a successful author. Because when I was calling, and it wasn't about being a successful author, I tell you, politics, I, I read once years ago, Somebody said, if you live in Washington and you want loyalty, get a dog. <laughs> wow. Not everybody. Well, I'll tell you one thing that I thought quite powerful is, you know, I used to work at Mind Valley and I saw Vision, former boss. I have so much respect for him because I know he did platform and voice publicly. And I've seen the consequences of him doing that. And nonetheless, he still stood by his principles. I have immense respect for him. And I know you both had a chance to have a conversation and he was a big supporter as well. I was happy to see things like that, but I've seen the other side also. And I feel like it's almost a reflection on how we behave personally as well. Like I, you know, when everything's convenient, everybody's posting on social media about what they believe in. But as soon as things get uncomfortable, or as soon as you need to do a little more work or you have to do beyond just posting on social media, people aren't taking that involvement or that initiative. It's almost like we're all a bit complacent in our own self-serving ways. Also, I think for myself, in terms of this field, people who have known me for decades and know who I am, that then, you know, in politics, they work to make you radioactive. They work to smear. I mean, it's a level of media manipulation, smear tactics. I mean, you know, when you're a writer in our field, somebody likes your book or they don't. They buy it or they don't. If they don't like your book, you never hear about it. They just didn't buy the book, or, you know. All you hear from is the people who love you. When somebody has known me for many years, 
and a story gets told about me. And that person knows me, but is afraid they don't want to defend me because if she's radioactive, then, you know, if I defend her, I'll be radioactive. So it's not just lack of support. I mean, I have felt at times that there were areas where people might have said, look, I don't know if you agree with her politics or not. I'm not even weighing in on her politics, but I've known this woman for many years, and that's not who she is. And I don't see why that would have been a skin off anybody's teeth. Yeah. Again, that's why I give you admiration, because you've willingly stepped outside. You could call it the personal growth eco chamber, a bubble. Everything's nice and light and rainbows and everything's beautiful. Like there's a huge community of people that are like, block out the negative. We're keeping it out there. And you went, you know what? If I'm going to shine light, I'm going to go in that darkness and see what kind of light we can bring, because that's the highest impact I can do. Otherwise, it's not light. You know, the Course in Miracles says you can't bring light to the darkness. You must bring the darkness to the light. You know, if you're going to just ignore the pain and suffering of the world, you're not in transcendence. You're in denial. And in a case like you're describing, that's willful denial. And, denial, and that's using spirituality as your cover. Mm. Well... I would be asking a question about you personally, and I think this could speak to anyone who's going into a field, going into the darkness. I mean, you went into the politics, which could be regarded as the darkest ones, but everyone on a mission wants to make an impact. You're going to face resistance and you have to almost guard your own light. And so how do you make sure that you're not being swallowed by the darkness when you go down into these different difficult areas? I knew it would be bad. I didn't know it would be this bad. I knew it would be bad because I did it before. So I wasn't naive. And I knew that it was like running into a burning building. And I had this visual image that my insides were filled with this white powdery substance that was fire retardant. And I felt like God was saying, you'll go in there, but you'll have a fire retardant. It has been worse than I expected. I have realized, because last time, it was enough to just make fun of me. They came at me saying ridiculous things. But this time, oh, it's vicious. So I've had three girlfriends. I'll never forget them who have just been such stalwart supporters. There are so many layers of it, including, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Why haven't I heard from so-and-so? So there are so many layers of forgiveness of myself, forgiveness of others, people that fooled me or took advantage and my own self-hatred. How did I let this happen? Betrayals, attacks from the outside, attacks from the inside, who's your friend, who's your foe? I mean, it's, it's big. But on the other hand, look what a chalice of growth. You talk about personal growth. There's no way I'm the same person on the other side of this. Like they say, I'll be better, I'll be better. If I find a way to forgive myself and forgive others, 
that would be a beautiful thing. And that's my choice, and I know it. So I live in that. I live in that. You know, I know the principles. Now it's about practicing them. You know, I've said for a long time, my life works really well when I practice what I preach. But I've never been called upon to practice them at the level that this is, which is why it's perfect, right? And there is that chance I'm going to become president of the United States. And if I become president of the United States, this will have been quite an education on every level. I won't be the same person. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We definitely are in an era where we need some hope. And it seems like you're going in there and you're getting conversations to change. I know that, you know, some of the language being used across the industry coming from you about not having a healthcare system, but having a sick care system comes from you. You've popularized this now that's activated the conversation as well. And I see that you going out there facing these resistance, dealing with these challenges is at least shaping the collective conversation because it seems like it's like a prisoner's dilemma situation is like whoever decides to, you know, hit the blow the lowest sets the common rules for how the game is played. And I would assume and like, this is something I face as well on the sales side, obviously not anywhere near your scale. Let me just make sure I emphasize that. But you can have a salesperson that and this would be the common complaint that lies, makes false promises and gets the deal. And then that's how the, the, the industry gets ruled. In politics, it's like whoever makes the false promises gets the votes. And you come in holding high integrity, high standard. And this is what I advocate for people to sell with love is how do you actually show up with care, leadership. But then you see that there's still some players that are playing the dirty games and they're getting the results. And it's frustrating. Again, it's like you have to keep that mantle and that flame high to see how it can bring it up. Are there other things you've noticed that has worked in making people at least raise their level of consciousness in the arena? Well, this is what has been painful. Given the attacks on me, given the smears, given the invisibilization, there's one way to override that, and that's with money. Because if you have the money, you can create the media, the bought media, to override that. And... I had been very disappointed last time that I wasn't able to harness enough interest in the personal growth. Like, this is the thing. I could sell a class in personal transformation and fairly easily get people to give hundreds of dollars, possibly more if it's over a long period of time. But I'll ask them to come for free to hear a political talk or to just maybe give $25? If everybody who has come up and said to me, you've made such a difference in my life. So, and many have, don't get me wrong. But if you're going to say that our field has become sophisticated about sales, sophisticated about money, sophisticated about commerce, sophisticated about business, then that should include sophisticated about things like financial giving to political campaigns. If you're going to mature, you know, part of, to me, making money is the responsibilities that come with it. 
Because I think how you spend your money is an expression of your values. And one of the things that, you know, has become a real cheap and easy phrase in our field is, I support you. No, I really support you. Really? 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 <laughs> so the Course in Miracles says, only what you are not giving can be lacking in any situation. I have not figured out what is lacking in me in this particular issue. And also decisions, you know, in the field of personal growth, partly because I was so fortunate to have Oprah early on, but not just there. For the most part, I have dealt with stellar people, honorable people. I do think that when it comes to the business of transformation, we have some good people. You don't feel like you're dealing with bottom feeders, you know? Politics. And I got fooled by certain people that I wish I hadn't been, so then there's anger at myself. So there's just so much, and I hope that I'm becoming a better person because of it. I think it's actually quite vulnerable of you, and I, I appreciate that because I've seen a lot of people expect, not only when it comes to spiritual leaders, personal growth leaders, politicians, to be infallible as you're put on a pedestal to say that every action you do is perfect, but the moment you do one flaw, everyone kind of points at it. And I love that you're coming forth in the humanity of the growth period that you have to go through by getting into this field. Like you said, probably the most challenging field to get into and seeing how, oh my God, this is a really different beast that has a lot lower integrity as a baseline. In the personal growth field, in my career there, I have always found vulnerability attractive to people and attractive to me. I think in my career in that field, I have not felt that people expected me to be perfect, but I did feel that people, and rightfully so, expected me to be trying. And I think that people can smell it when you are and smell it when you're not. So I've always been, I found like you could be talking to a big group of people. There is such a thing as a group conscience. And I've had the experience quite a few times in my career where I said something and it was off. And you feel a sort of psychic rip in the room. And if I would just own it, say, you know what, that wasn't, and everybody's fine. So actually, it's that field. I don't think I would have had the career I've had if I was playing that game. But I have felt in this experience, it's going to take me a long time to work all this out. But I have felt a little bit like, this time I need some help, guys. Yeah. Well, I find that in the space that you're in, vulnerability is weaponized. And then you're like, well, I'm trying to actually show up and give you a human. And then people are like, our politicians, they don't seem human at all. But it's like the moment you show humanity, it's weaponized. And as you use the term, 
earlier turn into radioactive material if there's one crack and so you have to be so polished and to me like even coming at it from a sales perspective it's like oh my god any risk you take can be taken out of context when you're going for the masses and even my marketing brain goes crazy because you know you always want to speak to the right target audience but then you're talking to the nation as a whole you're on a megaphone so anybody you decide to speak to might antagonize another <laughs> it becomes the radioactive material. But hold on. This is what's so amazing. When I'm talking to audiences, it's no different than in our field. People are people. So when I'm talking to audiences, it's the same experience I have in personal growth. I just can't end it with a prayer because of the secular tradition, which I certainly support. But at the same time, that's really where you lift up the emotions, right? The problem is not the people. The problem is what I call the political media industrial complex. It's what the system does. There's the political system and the media. That's where the poison is. But when you're actually just talking to people, it's very, very beautiful. It's very beautiful. As beautiful as in a personal growth setting. It's the same people, you know. When people say, who are you people? Your voters are voters. Say, okay, well, do you want to speak at a yoga studio? Well, they're voters too. Voters are voters. I'm speaking to the American heart. I'm not speaking to this group or that group. I'm speaking to Americans. But I'll speak to you too, Jason, even though you can't vote for me. I know, but I can definitely use my megaphone and bring it to the right people to actually start understanding that if we want things to change, we have to start actually doing the hard things and actually start listening to the people who are speaking differently, who are taking chances, who are changing the conversation. And I do have love for what you're doing a lot. And so that's why I want to make sure I'm platforming this in a strong way. But at the same time, you speak about this media and the system almost seems to be protecting itself. And you're coming in and it's almost like you're being treated like a virus. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I am being treated like a virus. It, it's, what am I doing wrong here? Because, you know, everything that I'm saying that I want politically would be considered a moderate position in every other advanced democracy, a moderate position in Canada. Well, what's the virus here? Ooh, she wants universal health care. <laughs> you know what's interesting, and it's almost like, ooh, am I going to use trigger words? You're trying to come into a system that's sick as a vaccine, but you're being treated like a virus. And now I feel like we're back in the whole debate about vaccines and viruses. <laughs> we're back into the one of the political topics. And here's what I find is you find resilience to move forward. And I understand you are facing roadblocks. You are being strong. It's not easy. You're growing like crazy. And most people, and here's where I want to kind of reduce it to an accessible grasp for my audience, is some people go and knock on three doors, face rejection, and think, I'm never going to be able to build a business. I'm never going to be able to make a difference. I can't raise funds for my charity. It takes so much more. And at the level that you're playing, I feel like it takes the most. And so to cultivate that resilience, to remind yourself, I'm showing up for these podcasts. I'm going on this political rally. Another roadblock, I need to face this down. There must be some rituals or some reminders that you need to keep to heart so you keep going every day. Well, my morning practice. You know, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles. And I am very aware of the power of the morning. You know, of course, the miracle says if you spend five minutes with spirit in the morning, it guarantees it will be in charge of your thought form throughout the day. You have to spend the time grounding yourself. 
There's another element I want to mention. In the personal growth field, I never felt limited by my sex. I never felt being a woman in any way, either in the eyes of women or in the eyes of men, diminished my capacity to be heard or be successful. I cannot believe the misogyny in politics. I didn't even know it was there. I mean, I knew they were kind of rough on Hillary Clinton and, you know, but I really did think it was mainly because of her politics. And I cannot believe the way people get away with framing a narrative that absolutely would not be accepted if I were a man. And by the way, by women, every bit as much as by men. In a way, I wouldn't say more, but every bit as much. And below the belt, it's just so much of that is internalized. You know? Now, if you look at something like women newscasters, they can be successful because they toe the line. They're not, you know, coloring outside the lines. They're not speaking outside the box. But a woman, not only a woman who speaks her mind, despite what the status quo says is correct, but speaks her mind confidently. That's what I think pisses people off. Because I come from a field where you get to do that. You know, I've been reading The Course in Miracles for a long time, so I can speak very confidently about it. And people who are interested in that material go, yay, right? Going to politics, I've been looking at this for a long time, and I'm going to tell you what I think. Oh, my God, how dare you? That's not what we have decided to say. There was a quote, I forget where I read this. It was like, for any person that steps out the line as a man, they'll be regarded as a prophet or a spiritual leader, but any woman who does the same will be regarded as a witch. You know what? I want to say something. The way I am looked at, kooky, crazy, mean. If that's not a description of the witch archetype, I don't know what is. It is like something, and it's ancient witch burning. She's a witch, she's a witch, except they've changed the consonant. She's a bitch, she's a bitch, she's a bitch. And it's even like that ancient witch burning of, uh, have you ever seen her be that way? No. But I know somebody who said that they know somebody who said they know somebody right on the internet there was a tweet. It's like how women got sent to the stake. So I appreciate you saying that. If it's a man, it's a prophet. If it's a woman, she's a witch. And I also, I remember a famous interview that Princess Diana did. I think was the one who really sealed a fate in a way, the Martin Bashir interview. You're probably too young to remember any of that, but it was a famous Diana interview, and she was describing how she was viewed by people in the palace, according to her. She said, they look at me and they wonder, where did she get all that power? Because that's not the power we gave to her. Where did she get all that power, and what does she intend to do with it? So, yeah, if a man says that he's a prophet, if a woman says that she's... The witch imagery, it is witchy. I mean, all of the descriptions are like something out of a fairy tale about a wicked witch. 
there have been times when journalists would have an interview with me. I'd sometimes even write the article, and you could just see that some editor said, oh my God, she got to you. She seduced you. She got to you. Go back. Go back. Write something. Well, of course, let's not forget that she's very controversial, blah, blah, blah. I've actually seen what can be done when somebody has an agenda against you as far as twisting truth on a not as grand of scale, but I have seen it happen. I've seen some really good people. Some of the clients that I work with have been, my God, portrayed so negatively in the media while they're trying to do good. It breaks my heart as someone that also, you know, I talk about selling with love, holding higher vibration, wanting to do the best in the world. But then I see more frequently the ones that get taken down are the ones that have the best of intentions. Like the ones who are going in, trying to make positive change, are making for easy targets to take down as a hit piece when it comes to this media complex. Right. I think it's because if you really have good intentions in today's world, you are challenging the status quo. You can't have really positive intentions right now without calling the status quo to task. And of course, so it does make sense. Yeah. To give credit where credit is due, we're also seeing some of the negative aspects that are being called out and some of the bad players being, you know, arrested. And we're seeing some of these things being mostly by us, like us showing that we care about these issues. And I want to go back to how when you do a speak and you're speaking to people's heart and you're seeing that voters are just like the people that you speak to, audiences and audience, I feel like we all have this little yearning, this little light that wants to shine, but then we're kind of looking for social cues. And since everybody's looking for a social cue that it's okay to speak up, but everybody's kind of waiting, nobody's speaking up. So then we're like, oh my God, it's just me. And then there's this sense of like isolation while we're all crying for the same problems to change, but we're being reminded that nobody should speak up. And I feel like what we're trying to do is get people to kind of catalyze their expression so we can make a movement to change things. And I mean, I think the steps you're taking is the first step to be taken. And I think that's where I see so much courage in the actions that you're, you're doing. So I'd be curious to know from a call to action for people that are kind of sitting there saying, yeah, I see the corruption. I see the, the crap that's going in politics. My God, I'm seeing that you're going out there and actually calling it out. I'm seeing the unfair treatment. I know there's unfair treatment. What can I do to just shine my light brighter and make a change happen? Donate to the campaign. Go to Marianne2024.com, whether it's $5, $50, $500, whatever you can do, because, you know, it really is a matter of getting things to scale. It's no different than any other business. I've got the right business. I've got the right team. I need to scale up. And when you have candidates who have millions and millions and millions of dollars in the bank and are taking money from PACs and super PACs and corporate powers. We're just running on fumes here and yet doing really well, given that it's fumes. People should be sophisticated enough to know. Send money, even if it's $10. And many have, so I don't want to sound ungrateful for those who have, because I'm very grateful for it, and probably some of your listeners. This isn't like what I said before. It's time in this field, when you look at how many books get sold, how many products, how many in the world of personal transformation, it's time for us to mature into realizing, okay, now we have made an impact on the economy, actually. 
We sold millions of books, right? We've made an impact on healing, medicine, education, business, everything we've touched. We've impacted and helped transform. They can make fun of us, but that's the truth. The only area we haven't transformed yet is politics. And the only reason we haven't transformed politics is because we haven't gone there. And so any of us that go there, we're going to get made fun of. But come on, guys. <laughs> Help me out here. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I'll say this much, Marianne, just jumping in, is the fact that one of the principles I speak about when it comes to selling with love is this understanding that everything is an energy exchange. And the one energy that most people have a frustration with is money, which is nothing more than stored energy. And wherever we drive energy towards is what we want to see more in the world. And if we want to see a change in politics, how can we imagine a change in politics to happen if we're not sending any energy there? And that's either happening with actual direct labor contribution or stored energy. Volunteering is the same. We get volunteers. Right. The people who will post on their social media. People, if you go to Marion2024.com, it says 10 things you can do to help. Put up a yard sign, have a bumper sticker, a, a button, make an endorsement video, put it on your social media, put it on TikTok, put it on Instagram. And of course, you know, financial support, all of it. It's like any other endeavor. Mm-hmm. I think we haven't been educated. I'd love to touch on this. Like, I'm a Canadian, but politics happens in some capacity where there is democracy in a similar way. It's just hyper-turbocharged and put on cameras in America. But I don't know if there's an existing educator, especially my generation and after, about what does it mean to be politically involved? Because I feel like we've so checked out. And it's almost like we can't quantify the impact of our involvement politically. And I think that there's like a re-education that happens there. So I'd be curious to know, like when someone goes and gets involved financially in contribution, how does that translate an impact? So people have an education around, oh, that's why it's worth it for me. Well, first of all, I want to point out that in Canada, you don't have the nefarious influence of corporate money. You don't have that corruption in Canada. I'm not saying you don't have problems in Canada, but you don't have that. What we have here, which is that corporations have unlimited power to spend money to unduly influence our policies. I mean, you don't have that there, which we have here. And you're right to some extent because about education because too many people in America today don't even, as middle schoolers, take a half a year in American civics and American government and American history. You know, we did when I was a kid, and my parents taught me. You know, we, the people, it's hard to vote, it's complicated to vote, it's complicated to know where you're supposed to go vote. The system is designed to make it harder than it should be. The system should be designed to make it easy to participate. And then also, because so many people are living with economic struggle, it's like people don't even have the bandwidth. Oh, and I'm supposed to be politically involved too? Marianne, there's a lot of change that needs to happen. And I'm so grateful that you're going in there. Again, I've said this at the beginning, and I've said it again, I have so much respect for the fact that you're going into call it the devil's nest. I don't know if that's an accurate statement, but it sounds like it is belly of the beast for sure. <laughs> the belly of the beast. I was like, what's that expression anyways. But I think what you're doing is sparking that right conversation, making some shifts, making some that we want to see transformation. And you're absolutely right that we've been able to do transformation in every field, except politics has been lagging behind so 
bad. And it's the one that has some of the biggest impact on changing the world for all the problems that we see and you're directly addressing it. So I have much respect. I'm so excited. The biggest takeaways from here is just if you want to do something that's of importance of value, it's going to be uncomfortable, you're going to grow phenomenally through it, you're going to see some challenges that you might not have expected. And it's probably even harder than you imagine. But the journey is worth doing when you're making a difference that's worth changing. And I can definitely see that in what you're doing. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you and having these conversations. I do have a questions I want to ask everybody who does come on the show, which is you are on the selling with love podcast. So I want to ask you, what does selling with love mean to you? I always said to people that if you're not selling a product that you honestly feel could contribute to somebody's life, then you shouldn't be selling it. So that's the question. Like if your child reads this book, it would really help them. Or this toy that will bring your child joy. Then it just Connect to the giving. How is this serving someone? It's not selling from quota. I got to make the sale. It's selling from, this could really help you. You know, I always use as an example, many years ago, like 40 years ago, I had a bookstore. Now, this was before the internet. And when books were published, the book salesman came to the store, and I owned the store, and would talk to me about the books that were coming out that season. And there was this one man, I think he worked for Simon & Schuster, I can't remember. I don't remember his name. I don't remember what he looked like, but I remember who he was. And he really, he would explain to me, now this book is about blah, 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 this is really good. It was a genuine enthusiasm. And I genuinely needed books in the store. It was a joy. It was a joy. I absolutely love it. Marianne, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing. I think that expression of joy, love, and every way that things happen is exactly how sales should happen. I'm glad you're going into the politics of love as well. You got yourself an ally. All the best. And... Hey, we're here to support. And for those who want to go deeper into the campaign, go to Marianne 2024. We have a link in the description. Go make some contributions and take on a challenge that's a little harder than what you're currently doing. As you can see, we have heroes in the field that are taking on some beasts. You can take on some more challenges too. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.